All right. So, Pastor Carson. Hey. Let's start here. Um, Am I supposed to, like, pretend they're not here? No, I mean, we can do whatever you want, you know. Uh, This, you know, you can talk to them. You can talk to me. You can talk to the rafters. It's, you know. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, So, Pastor Carson, let's start off with, for perhaps some people that don't know you, uh, give us a little bit of your backstory, maybe 30, 40 seconds of a snapshot oh, sure. of your yeah. life. Uh, I'm, I'm an Illinois boy raised here in the... Wow. Awesome. I love traveling because I'll say I'm from Illinois. If you're from Illinois, you get this. I, I, I'll be traveling. I'm like, well, I'm originally from Illinois. And people are like, I've been to Chicago. <laughs> like, there's more to the state than Chicago. But Chicago people that are here, they don't think that there's more to the state either. But... Uh, yeah, I'm from central Illinois, kind of, uh, all my young years in Southern Illinois, my teenage years in central Illinois. And then I came and went to the amazing Bible college here in Indianapolis. I'm, uh, yeah. And, uh, went, went on staff at a church in Ohio. So I was in Ohio for thir- I'm trying to cover all these States. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. have home field advantage yeah. here. I mean, what up Midwest? Yeah. And, uh, and then. I went, obviously, I was at headquarters for a seven-year stint, and now I'm in the greatest city in North America, Indianapolis, Indiana, so I'm glad to be here. I'm married to the beautiful and godly Rachel and have four amazing children, one of which is now a college student, so that lets you know I may be too old to be in this event. But. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's dive a little deeper into things about you. Um, this is always, I think, such an insightful question. Okay. If you could have dinner with any three people, living or dead, and it has to be at the same time, who would it be? Uh, My grandmother, who has passed on, was a Sunday school teacher for 47 years. Um, I think she embodied what a saint is supposed to be, and so I'd like to have her some questions for her that I wasn't mature enough to have as a kid, Um, just on what it looks like to love God so much that you love the church. Um, I would love to have dinner with G.T. Haywood. He would be one of my guys that I just, I want to talk to about the early Pentecost revival here and, and what the desired outcome was to see how close or how far we are from where we should be in our current context. Um, and I think the third guy, you know, you're supposed to always say Jesus Christ in this. So he's my first in this. Okay. But I'm, you know, um, but then my, but then I would say the apostle Peter, I just, he was so normal for me. He's like cutting off ears and loving God at the same time. Do you desire to cut people's ears off too? Is that, I've had days. days. We've all had days. (laughs) Come on. Can I get a witness in the house? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where's an organ in here? Okay. All right, very good. So that's, those are my three. You know, I think there's a lot. Church is so amazing and church is fun. Uh, what is the funniest thing that you've ever seen in church? Uh, oh, man. I've, I've been a part of that joke before. One time, I was on, uh, one time I was on the platform, and this was not here, thank God. This was in Ohio, and we always, when we do prayer, we always would like go down and that we, we had a culture of sitting on the platform then. Um, and so we would go down during the prayer service 
for some reason. Had to be the grace of God. I did not go down that night and I just stayed on the platform and was kind of praying with people from the edge and the perimeter. When I went back, one of the, one of the God bless them praise singers came up behind me and said, Brother Carson, I think. That was their, that was their I think. You have a dare in your pants. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it was not an I think situation. <laughs> Thankfully, I had an office there and I went to change my slacks. There was a hole so big in the back of my pants that Shamu could have went through. It was a massive. So that's one of the funniest things. I was in another service one time where the, the church service got, are any of you from like really wild church, like rambunctious worship, real intense? Come on, be honest. You're from that kind of a church. Some of you are like, There's a no. few. There's a few. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's a few. Some of you might need to liven that up a little bit. Some of I was in a church service one time where someone got to dancing in cowboy boots and kicked a hole through the drywall while they were <laughs> dancing and then just danced away like it was no big deal. Like, just, like I'm going to get on away from this. Praise God. Yeah, that was pretty funny. It wasn't me. That's I'm what like, we had church. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Those are things that you appreciate about the house of God. Uh, so... What does a day look like in the life of, of Pastor Carson? What does that look like now? Yeah, uh, well, thanks. Good question. It, um, it depends on the day, honestly. I live very structured. I have to. We have incredible staff here. So if our team's here, I want to reiterate what was said. I heard that shout out to the Wrights, Brooke and Caleb. Uh, they're amazing, brand new baby. They have maybe the cutest baby girl that's ever been born that's been around here. But we have amazing staff that's able to facilitate what happens here from the guys that are standing at the, at the back and the sound and all the different people. So a big part of us is to run teams and to utilize people. I believe that God gives us incredible people if we will allow them to serve. It's their desire to serve the church. They love it. And so my days are broken up based on the day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all look different. They're all structured for me. I'm pretty sure that God is a God of structure and that he honors structure. I feel like I've got a lot of Bible, 66 books worth to prove that, um, that he will honor our structure. I don't think, I don't, for me, I don't think anyone's life should ever get to look or should look the same day in and day out. Typically when it does, God didn't do that. We programmed that. And so um, there's newness in him every day. So part of, with here, we have the church, we have a college, and we also have a K-12. So we're extremely blessed. You know, there's three different 100,000 square foot properties, and that's, I want to pause here to say all that I'm doing is trying to continue and move something forward. That was the foresight and the wisdom of leaders long before me. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the founding pastors and the previous pastors um, the Bible college wouldn't be in existence without the vision of Brother Mooney being willing to move it here and the building that CCS is in. Brother Pedigo was able to head and run that construction forward. And those were some of our early conversations was the um, amount, you know. We're dealing here with a 1,000 meals a day. Um, what that looks like, how that's prepared, what the administration of that is. And so for me on a daily basis, it's not about being the person doing it all. 
whether you're from a small church or a large church, uh, regardless of where you are, if you have to be the person that does everything, it's dangerous. You need to build a team. I, I always tell our, I tell our teams this, I tell our pastoral team this, our other ministers, people that we send. I am a firm believer. I was this way in youth ministry, I'm this way now. If I have to be everyone's favorite, I have an ego issue. So good. If you have to be the main, so the reason I'm saying this is my days look different because I don't need to be at the college every day. I don't need to be at CCS every day. Truthfully, I don't need to be here every day. I need to structure appropriately. And part of the way I do that, I have an amazing, amazing secretary or administrative assistant, uh, Ladusta Brown, who helps keep things on online. She, she knows my calendar better than I do. Um, Sister Gail, I see her in the back. She'll kill me for pointing her out, but she's our CFO. When we sat down at our meeting, was that Thursday, so two days ago, we sat down at our meeting. She's able to give me high level and then drill down. We're able to talk through things in less than an hour because we've got a team that we can trust. Um, part of the way that we've done that is I don't have people around me that always say yes and tell me what I wanna hear. There are people around me that tell me what I need to hear, even when that's a challenge. Uh, again, so if you got to be everybody's favorite or, or you have to be the person that everyone just says yes to, you can't build a healthy structure and you can't run something smooth. My most important thing, you've heard it a little bit here because I talked about my son that was playing last night and he's a freshman in college. Most important thing for me is whether or not my family is winning. After my relationship with God, and you, you all need to know this right now, most platforms are cotton candy. They taste sweet, but they fade fast. And so you better make, make sure that the relational value, we have some pastors that are here, um, uh, that are here and you're, you're here with your spouse and you've got some young adults that are here with you. They can tell you the most important thing is relational value with others after your relationship with God. So for me, my kids, I would, I'm so honored that anybody would ever want to hear me preach or speak or do anything, but I would much rather be their hero than yours. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, that's the way we... That's the way I kind of live for the structure of my day. Otherwise, my family could get lost in the shuffle of all this busy. Yeah, which I think that's something that a lot of us, especially in this demographic, struggle with is that disease of busyness. Oh, How many yeah. of you feel like you're busy? Give me, a, give me a little wave out here. And I think one of the things that our culture is inundated with is this busyness and then there's a fallacy of how do I, how do I achieve balance? Yeah. I've heard that question a, a dozen times on panels and whatnot of how do you balance life? Um, and I would be curious, you know, you have all these things. You also preach out and a great preacher. You have all these responsibilities. You have your family, you have your kids. Talk to us a little bit about balance. What, what are tips that we can use to balance yet pursue ministry, but not use balance as an opt-out card of, oh, I'm balancing, so I'll put more time in video games. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'll put more time in Call of Duty. I don't have balance, but. You know, so, that, that's so funny for me, especially this demographic. And I know grown men who, like, can't get off the video games. So whatever. It's uh, tight, but it's right. You hear that? That's conviction <laughs> sweeping across. Yeah, there's a reason you live in your mom's basement. I oh! might say that. Uh... Shots fired right there. So, Woo! Um, it's coming in hot, folks. I, I, you know, I heard a pastor, recently a pastor, 
said, and I, I, don't, I don't ever, I'm not taking a shot, but a pastor said, well, balance isn't biblical. You just, you just follow after God. The struggle there is how much use of weights and scales and the abomination of, of weights that are off. So I think balance does come into play biblically. I think you have to ask yourself, are you, are you living in him? In him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. The way you really find what we are calling balance with everything is honestly, I think it's determined by the will of God. I will tell you, you can never be in balance outside of daily devotion. If you, if you don't have a relationship with God, and this isn't like a, a grenade statement, so I don't want to, I'm not throwing this out for oohs and ahs or anything like that, but you lead worship but don't have devotion or like you give 50 hours a week to your paralegal career or to your construction site, but you don't give five minutes a day to devotion, you're out of, you're out of balance. Sorry, I'm, I'm holding you just in case, just because I want you to hear me. I don't want, sometimes we applaud what we won't live. And I don't, I don't, I, I like the applause. I'm not, I'm not negating that. We need to respond. But I just want a young adult to hear me right now because Honestly, you can get so busy doing the work of God, you don't even work with God. Right. And it is, a, it is a statement. And it puts us in a place where we constantly seek his hand. That's how you would, you would have that. Like, I seek the hand of God. So I show up and I want to preach and it be anointed. So I'm seeking the hand of God. Let there be miracles and signs and wonders. But the basis of our relationship is to seek the face of God. Is to be like him. And so I would tell you this. We, we have... We had to make disciple like a catchword in Pentecost. I'm so thankful for the book that Brother Gleason wrote, you know, on, on following the lead or whatever it is. It's on discipleship and the reintroduction of that. But a young adults, please hear me. I, I believe so much in what was stated from this platform last night about this being such a gifted, talented generation. But the truth is, if I'm going to be a disciple, it can never happen minus discipline. So we have to we have to live discipline. You're the person that likes to sleep in until 11. OK, maybe one day a week you can do that. You can't do that every day. Right. OK, you, you got we got to have discipline, everything from our prayer life to our diet. We, we do. We just OK, that was I felt <laughs> We have to be, we have to be disciplined. We have to be disciplined. And so, uh, you know, that's how I, you want to talk about achieving balance. I would say, seek God and he'll help you. He's the greatest level of balance we've ever seen. Read the text, examine the life of Christ, find the times where you'll see he goes a stone's throw and gets alone in prayer. And everyone's like, wait a minute, we were having good church. Like what, what happened? He knew what it meant to withdraw. If, if God takes Sabbath, You know, and the problem probably a lot with, I want to say our generation, I'll say your generation, uh, with, with all of us really though, if we're not careful, is, is we don't know how to find rest in him. We sleep with noisemaker apps. Every time we get in the car, we got to have noise on. Everything we do, there's constant noise, constant conversations, constant, and, and a lot of times we feel mundane, we feel burnout, the minutia gets us. Because nowhere in our regiment is just time with him. Yeah. Yeah. I, can't, I, I can't exist on this level, but the truth is, Travis, I, I can't exist on any level without just time with him. Yeah. 
Absolutely. He's what yields balance. He helps me if I'll be honest. And then I think the other way is I keep people in my life who can tell me if I'm off balance. You need somebody in your life that can be like, you're you're stupid. You do. You need people as preachers. We need people in our lives that can we can run our messages by that are like, that don't make sense at all. Don't preach that to anybody as as young adults. You need someone in your life who can question, who can question how your career has now become your God. We need people. And I want I want everybody in the building. I want everybody in here to be multimillionaires. If that's God's will, I want that for you. But I don't ever want your career to become your God. Right. So have somebody in your life, a friend. Some of you are like, I want somebody in my life. Okay. <laughs> Maybe a friend. Phone a friend first, okay? <laughs> but if every time someone close to you, if, if every time someone close to you challenges you, you feel like you should withdraw from them because they don't understand you. They give you a challenging statement or a challenging word. Really what they're doing is trying to help bring balance to your life and you can't receive it. You probably have to examine that by going to prayer and looking in the mirror because we need people that will help keep us steady. Which I think, I think that is such, such a great point and it really opens up. Let's drill down a little further on that okay. on balance. And because when you talk about balance, uh, which full transparency, you're preaching to me. Sure. The last four weeks, I've been out of town. I've got my church. I've got 11 or 12 people from my church. I feel like all the time, I'm like, oh boy, I'm, I'm struggling out of town, hyphen conference, general conference, team meetings, and I just don't know how to work a calendar. And a friend of mine told me this week, Trav, you are way out of balance. You need to mm. slow down. I said, oh, I received that. Mm. I said, I received that. And, and so sometimes having that voice, and it's not pushing back, but saying, thanks for speaking into me. I, you're right. I, I need those changes. And that's the thing right there. So saying, okay, I received that. Yeah. But there is this great chasm between inspiration and activation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, re- I receive it. But if I don't receive it with my calendar. Yes. Like there's times you can receive. How many know you can lose a burden? Mm. Amen. You can lose a, you can lose a burden. Like Sometimes just between the altar and the parking lot. Yeah, yeah. You ever get in the car after you cry and you snotted and you're like, I'm doing, I'm a, yeah. and we get in the car and you're like, not tonight though, not tonight. Not tonight. <laughs> Tomorrow. You ever made up your mind in an altar you were going on a fast and the next day you wake up and the hunger is like, oh God, I'm dying. I'm dying. And so those people in your life, like that friend ought to be able to call in a week and say, what have you done? Yeah. What are you implementing? And probably what you did and what I do is I say, hold me accountable. Yeah. Hold me, help me. You don't trust yourself. Well, as long as I'm in flesh, not, not really. Right. <laughs> I know you'll do it all Enoch, but most of us, we need someone to help us. Yeah. Which I will say this, and this is something I, I want to just throw out there, um, is accountability. The misperception of us is accountability is someone coming to us. That's uh. not accountability. Accountability is you going to them. <clears throat> accountability is you going to your pastor, you going to pe- your accountability partners, sending them the text saying, hey, this is what's happening, good or bad, but every week on this day, 
we're going to set a call. We're going to set a time. I've got that calendar. I've got that reminder pop up. That's accountability. And if you don't have that, then you're not really accountable. Hmm. Yeah, that's silence there because it's so true. And I've lived that saying I'm accountable, but I'm not really accountable. Yeah. And then I say, well, it's because they didn't reach out to me. That's an excuse. If you really want accountability, you will find someone that you will hold yourself accountable to. And that comes back to that discipline. With, when we talk about balance, though, um, I think one thing is, is that we look for this balance. And I feel like I've kind of been on this journey. So uh, as I'm the national hyphen director, so there's a lot there, things like this. I pastor a great church in Washington, D.C., and, uh, and I'm bivocational. And so I'm the COO of a company. So there's a lot there. There's a lot on my plate. That but means he works another job yeah. for anybody that thought he could speak two languages. That's not. <laughs> no, not same, bilingual. The same people that live in their parents. <laughs> Just kidding. That's a joke-ish. It, it is. There's truth behind that joke, though. <laughs> uh, uh, my last Some of you panel. are going home and moving out tonight. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know where I'm going, <laughs> but I'm not taking the shots. Anymore. I'm going to get Instagram messages, Brother Carson, yes. saying, why is my son moving yeah. out and has nowhere to go? He's homeless. Thanks for sending him to your conference. Yeah, if I get mean letters from mother, actually, I would get all thank yous. I'd get random checks. <laughs> like Starbucks gift cards. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so He's what, gone. <laughs> uh, one thing is, though, is that <laughs> I will say... Some of you are like, I don't know how to feel. Do I laugh? Do I? Just laugh along. We won't think it's you. Yeah. The person next to you that's nervous laughed and like, ha, 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 It's them. It's them. Thou art the man, is what the prophet Nathan said. <laughs> Mom, I'm hungry. <laughs> okay, let's go. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> one Do we the... have cereal, Mom? <laughs> By the way, what's your favorite Sorry. cereal? Oh, I love Captain Crunch. Does oh. anybody like? I'm a Cinnamon Toast Crunch guy. Enemy Cinnamon Toast. I like Cinnamon Toast. Let's go. Okay. I like Cinnamon Toast. You okay. Won. Rabbit you won. hole. Where are we? Okay. Sorry. Wow. So the, the, the thing of it is with balance is what I've come to realize is I don't know if I can always have balance, but I will have boundaries. All right. And with that being said, follow with me. Yeah. When you first started out in ministry, yeah. your dream was probably when you were at IBC, you thought I would give anything to have five minutes up on the platform. Mm. You just let me do an announcement. That's my dream. Or if I could have five minutes, if I could just be full time and then what happens? Well, you're a good steward and the Lord opens the door. Sure. And so the problem with this that I've started to realize is things I dreamed as a young man are exactly where I wanted to be today. Wow. When I graduated high school, this is going to speak to how old I was, there was no such thing as a young adult ministry in the United Pentecostal Church. That's true. Yep. There was no such thing as a hyphen ministry. When you graduate high school, you went to singles ministry. Yeah. Or you became a youth worker. But there was no hyphen ministry. And I used to say, oh man, and I remember thinking, if we could do this, we'd reach more young adults. So now... Here I am years later, and I think, man, what an amazing thing that we get to lead and keep young adults and activate them and move them. Yeah. What I dreamed about was where I am, but I didn't dream so I could get less work. I dreamed so I could have the opportunity to impact people. Yeah. And so it's not a balance. It's not like the Lord says, well, congratulations. You've worked hard all your life to become pastor. <laughs> now go take a vacation. 
It doesn't work like that, does it? And the problem is, is we often think, I want to arrive to where God's calling me so I can do less. But what if that's not really what God's calling you to do? What if God is actually calling you to get to where you want to go so you can do exactly what he gave you that burden and that dream and that anointing for? And that is where I think I may not ever have balance, but I will need to have boundaries. Can you speak a little bit about that? Because you're probably in that same path. Oh, absolutely. Uh, boundaries is it. I mean, uh, I was recommending to someone before we came out here a book that helped me in my role with that very thing. And so ab- absolutely. I mean, I think it all comes back to what you're fulfilled by. If you're waiting on God to validate laziness, that's never coming. Right. Say that again. That's so good. Yeah. If you're yeah. waiting for God to validate that, like when I get there, I won't have to work as hard. What? What? That's not how it works. I guess it depends on what motivates you. I mean, it depends on what motivates you. I am, I love what I get to do, but I am as fulfilled by putting someone else in the pulpit as me, myself, holding the microphone. I'm, I'm as fulfilled by that, if not more, just to be honest. And so it depends on what motivates you. If, if what motivates you is having the limelight, it's why you're not moving. Right. You can excel in a career if you need the limelight but it will be very hard for you to excel in God's kingdom because he just doesn't share his glory. Right, that's so good. It's not how it works, but if you wanna really do something for the kingdom of God where you're not worried about getting the credit and you're willing to work hard and you're willing to do what it takes, then you'll continue to see that elevated, but you do have to work. It is the work of God. And, and I think sometimes we get so farsighted with vision. Oh, yeah. That you, you miss saying, well, when I get there, then I'll do that. I think, I think that very reason is why the psalmist told us that his word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It is a light unto our path in the, th- in the fact that it shows us where we're going. But most of us in this room, we had a prayer. We had an altar somewhere where we saw that, that, that light unto our path where we were supposed to be going. The problem is we've stopped allowing it to be a lamp unto our feet. So we keep tripping over stuff in front of us in our expectation of getting where we're supposed to be. We can't live daily what requires for our long-term life. Mm. Yeah. And that, I think that's the lamp under my feet. How am I supposed to get down the road if I won't even take a look at the, the roots, the snares, the things that are right in front of me? So it's a part of my daily. If you will stay fulfilled in him daily, you will end up fulfilled in him long-term. So, Brother Carson, I, I want to bring this even further sure. into this application. What are things that you did as a young adult when you were in your early 20s that you look back and say, I didn't even realize I was doing that, but it set me up on a trajectory that changed my life where others did not do that. Others did not teach Bible studies. Others did not sacrifice. Others did not. Tell us things that you did that we can go back and say, I'm going to start to serve, teach Bible says, things like that. I was definitely loyal on a local church level. That was it. I loved God. I loved people. I stayed in the altar. I was way more concerned with trying to stay in the altar than I was um, most things at a local church level. And on the, uh, here's maybe a physical illustration. I'm trying to give a physical illustration of this. I, I got the opportunity to serve alongside my pastor um, and work with him 
and youth pastor. Some people looked at that long-term years down the road and they're like, well, yeah, he, he gets to lead a great youth group. That's awesome. When I first went uh, to Ohio, there were six young people. I don't even, I mean, it wasn't like I was walking into some major, it was just a pastor with a, a burden. I was teaching at our school and I was just there on the local level serving. And, and we had got a few years into that. I was probably at the age you're talking about, the age of most in this room right now. And we're standing in the hallway one day. I can't remember what we're doing, some kind of an event. And my pastor was standing there and, and he, um, he moved. We were, we were in the hallway and he moved to the north side of the hallway. And when he did, I, I moved with him to the north side of the hallway. And somebody else was standing there and they said, what, what are we doing? And I said, we're, we're standing here. <laughs> and, and he said, well, no, he, he moved and then you moved. Do I need to come over there? And without thinking, I just said, I've learned that when he moves, I move. And for me, I credit everything that God has ever done in my life to the fact that I loved serving on the local church level. It's the most fulfilling thing. When they asked me to come to, to headquarters, when Mike Enzi asked me to come there, I said, the only reason I feel like I could be any value is if you'll let me try to make sure the resources we're creating and the events that we're gonna do make sense for the local church level. Um, so it's a part of why we're trying to plant campuses around this city right now, because I wish that people from 10 minutes south would come to downtown, would come to Fountain Square, but they won't. So I've got to try to get a church where they are. Yeah. And so on the local level, and we've sent a lot of people from our church, people, you never send people you want to send. <laughs> you, you want to send different people, but you send those people cut, that cut the ear off. People. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I like to send those too. Yeah. None of my people are here though. And so it's been one of those deals where you got to send and say, serve well on the local level. And that's usually who gets sent, those that serve well. See, one thing I, I will share is you lived this even when you were general youth president. And I remember very, very distinctly, I was serving as youth president of the Virginia District, and we were standing in the sanctuary playing basketball at one in the morning, and you were standing in the sanctuary of the sanctuary, and you were saying, we're gonna change the background, and I don't like the lights, and we're gonna fix this. Do you remember that? And I remember thinking, my guy is preaching all over the world, and he is running youth ministries, and he's got youth congress and all this stuff, and he is stinking passionate about mm. the background of his local church and how he's gonna come up tomorrow morning and serve. Do you remember that? I remember. And I remember thinking, that man is passionate when nobody even sees something so small. And I remember thinking, man, that is the type of person that really loves the local church. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I'm, I'm convinced if you, don't, if you don't love your local assembly, whether you're from a small church, large church, whether you got one guitar or full band, if you don't love your local church, I don't think you, I don't think you have any business serving the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. And I think you serve the local church even when it's not a pulpit, oh when my. people don't see it. Oh my. And, and the question I ask this audience just in full transparency is, if I were to ask you right now, what are you doing in your local church? How would you respond right this second? 
Yeah. If I were to walk down and point and say, what do you do in your local church right now? Hopefully the answer wouldn't go, uh, I show up on Sunday mornings. I worship. That's great. But that's like, is that really the bar and the standard that we're setting for a generation? Because if if that's the standard, please hear this, man, I feel checked right now. If that's the standard, you're on the same level as God. If your attendance alone is what makes the difference. A, that's immature, spiritually immature. B, it's extremely arrogant. Okay? It's extremely arrogant. Well, I don't want, all they want me to do, all they'll let me do is teach Sunday school. Time out. You're telling me that you get to teach this to people and that's not enough for you? Well, they never let me, they never let me on the platform. Win some souls, I bet they will. But how, yeah, let's stop because I'm going to sound. That's so good. Here's, here's, here's my fear a little bit. I don't want to say frustration. That'd be the real word. Um, (laughs) So. I, I was standing in this, I was standing in this uh, service last night and I was praying and I didn't even mean to say the words out loud. I was just worshiping and then I said the words out loud, standing next to Brother Brown and Brother Duncan, I think, was down there and I, I, I just said out loud, how many altar calls do we need? Like how, how many altar calls do we need before we do something? Yeah. I mean, last night was phenomenal. Our keynote, Brother Thomas and the arrow and the ark. I'm like, what an incredible illustration. How many cute illustrations? Is that, Brother Duncan, we talk normal when we talk. We just talk real and transparent. Like, how many times do you have to say yes in an altar that you'll live a no to? You know, I'm convinced that a lot of the reason we cry in our altars is usually because we haven't done anything since the last time we cried in the altar about doing something. Now, I wish it was all just that we cry because we reverence the presence of the Lord. But the average tear in our altar is over regret, not fulfillment. You're gifted. You're t- I mean, you're talented. You're, you're, you have the ability you say, well, my, my pastor won't release me. Man, can I talk about that for a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. So I'm the, I'm the guy. You, you've heard me preach and talk about being released and what he was saying last night. I, I, I feel like my revelation is not just released, but sent. Okay? Some of you have heard me talk about this. I think if David would have just released the rock, it would have fell at his feet. But the fact that he sent it, it went with energy. It went with movement, it went with on purpose, you know, some kinetic energy involved in that. And I, I, I think some of us in this room were like, my pastor won't let me do anything. Well, do you have a sendable spirit? Are you the person that finds contention in everything? I promise you this right now. If you're the person that wants to critique everything, you cannot play on my team. If you will come with a critique and a response and a solution, then let's talk. But if you're the person that wants to be critical, I, I, 
I've had some fun conversations with young adults over the years that say things like, well, I don't know. I don't know why they did this. I don't know why they do that. And I'm like, what would you have done since you've obviously led a movement? <laughs> what, what would you, if we're not careful, we can be critical and we can be more contentious in our conversations than we are in prayer. Your gener right now, in this room, here's what I believe. Business starters, yeah. business owners, multimillionaires. Some of you are like, well, what's that have to do with the kingdom of God? Everything. Yes, it does. Everything. You're going to fund the mission for this hour. That's right. You're going to fund the mission for this hour. Absolutely. Amen. But, we, but, but if we're not careful, we all want released. And the truth is we want released because our relationship with our pastor or executive pastor or youth pastor or hyphen, whatever you've got, our relationship with them has not been solid enough for them to send us. And so release really just means for them to take their hands off of us. They have the pastor title, but they don't have the pastor relationship. And this isn't, this, isn't a, this isn't a moment where I, I harp on you for being close to your pastor, but I will tell you, you need to have relational value on some level where the church is no longer just serving you, but you're serving the church. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think our local church service is meant to be our buffet where we come and uh, we are fat on preaching. We are, we're, we're stuffed on preaching and we are so thin on engagement. I don't know. I said, is this okay? Are you, so are you all right? I'm just trying to talk from my heart doing this. You know, I think that's where our generation is moving from this generation. I have more hope yeah. for these young adults. That's awesome. And the reason is, is previously, I've said this before, is when we first started hyphen ministry years ago, we started it almost <clears throat> out of a fear that we were losing young adults. Oh, yeah. So we yeah. said anything we can do to keep young adults. So by default, what do we think? We will entertain them, yeah, wow. which has produced a generation that's slightly older than probably most of you, probably in my generation that are in their 30s, that were very entertainment-driven. And entertainment-driven Christians are consumer Christians. What's in it for me? Yeah. So I want wow. a better amenity. I want cooler stuff. I wow. want better programs. I want me, me, me. It's a buffet, Christian. So good. But yeah. this generation that we're moving to realizes I'm not just about entertainment. I am about contribution. I want to be a part yeah, of the mission. Awesome. I want to move the mission. I want to make a difference. Don't just entertain me. Yeah. Activate me. Yeah, release awesome. me. And that's why our theme nationally is take the call. Yeah. We want you and we believe in each and every one of you have a call of God in your life. How many of you have a call of God in your life? I love to do this. Give me a wave. Raise your hand high. It's amazing how many people know God has a call of, on my life. So our job is, is not to no longer say, hey, let's entertain you with the coolest programs and cute mm. icebreakers. Mm. And mm. Let me get up here and say a comedy skit. But let me see if I can give you application to help you pursue the call of God. Yeah. And when we talk about that, finally, this generation, that's why I'm so hopeful, because we have an army. And let me just say this. We are no longer just some hokey backwoods movement. We are a massive organization that has resources that we can literally change the stinking world 
if we just get so aimed. Cool. And if we could ever see ourselves how everyone else sees ourselves, you would be shocked when you look at the United Pentecostal Church. You go up to Youth Congress and you see that there are tens of thousands of young adults. There are people who can literally say, I can be an entrepreneur. I can yeah. go become yeah. a missionary. I can start a ministry. I can be a creative. I can be a musician. And my stuff can literally impact people in the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, this is the greatest day and age. Our elders lived to see the potential that we have. And That's Brother it. Bernard and our elders have set us up that we can literally do whatever we want. We can literally plant churches. Nothing is too far. We're buying planes. Come on. So missionaries can go fly into Alaska and say, hey, I'm telling you right now, if you could ever get our eyes off of our micro and into the macro, you'd be like, wow, we're fixing to turn our world upside down. Yeah. And it's going to happen when we set you all. And Brother Carson, last hyphen conference, it was online because of COVID. Yeah. Your message, I felt, spoke to me that there's a shifting in the movement. Yeah. There's a clarion call to release and to get active. And finally, we have the hunger that has matched call. I believe God's given us the call, but mm. too often we were, uh, yeah. we were consumed. Can you talk a little bit about taking the call and releasing and what can we do now and, and how can we get into the field and how can we get into the harvest and how can we go help a church planter 10 miles down the road and how can I make a difference? Absolutely. Uh, you know, obviously passionate topic for me. I will tell you this. If you, if you have a burden, there's people in the room right now, you have a burden for missions. So when he said it a moment ago, I felt it. He said missionaries. I felt a little strike even in this room. Some of you, you've kept this locked up passion for missions to which I would ask you the question. If we were in a personal conversation, I would ask you how much monthly you're giving. How can we be passionate and even feel a God call towards stuff we are not investing in? And so if you feel a call for missions, maybe you feel a call to Africa. Maybe you feel a call. You ought to be monthly. And you say, well, you don't know my finances. Well, he did when he called you. And so there's probably something. And I don't want to use, I'm not trying to use candy stick stuff, but we will Starbucks our way out of missions giving. I know Folgers is below you, but how can I give right now where I'm at right now? I will soon be bringing, hopefully this isn't live broadcast. Maybe it's just being archived. I don't know. We don't know. But if, if I'm soon to send a family, I'm soon to send a family to a church that is not a Calvary church, but it's a church in our area, in a community that they have a burden for, that they have been praying for, that they've been fasting for. It's not our church, but we've got a pastor that we love right here close. And so now we're taking this family. We've been having meetings with them and we're about to take them and send them. When they first came to me, they said, we, we don't know how this works, how to do it. I said, I tell, I told them what I'm going to tell you. Well, we're going to bring you in front of the church and we're going to show everyone that it's his kingdom, not ours. Yes. And the only reason, listen, the only reason I can send them is because they're not a family I want to lose. I don't. They're needed here. They're needed here. For me. But for some reason, he needs them there. If he wanted to, if your pastor wanted to send you right now, are you sendable? 
You know why, Ray? You've, some of you have heard me preach on this. David reaches into that brook and he pulls out five smooth stones. The ones that he picked to work in the field with the giant were based on how they felt. felt. When he picked them, it was based on whether or not they were rocks that would have worked at home. His entire context was on killing things at home. So when he felt for those rocks, he felt for something that would have worked on the local level. Some of you are called to do things and it's not the pastor holding you back. It's that the God that you serve won't let him send you because you're too rough to work. How many altar calls before we're usable? I want you to close your eyes and lift your hands. I feel like God maybe is going to do a little surgical work here in this moment. I know some of you are a little tired. I know some of you, we're, we're so programmed that if there's no preaching, we don't respond. Let me just talk to you for a moment. You just talk to God. Lift your hands. And I want you to ask God, am I even sendable right now? Am I frustrated because I'm wanting something I'm not even living qualified to do? I'm asking you to evaluate my mind and evaluate my heart. I've been frustrated that I'm teaching Sunday school while I think I'm called to preach, not recognizing the weightiness of the platform I have. I feel this call to missions, but nothing's matching up and my pastor doesn't want me to go. I need you to help me evaluate what's going on. Man, I feel the young adults in here, you feel that entrepreneurship, that business that's locked up inside of you and you're wrestling with whether or not it's God. And I feel a clear yes for somebody in this room right now. God, if there's anything that's keeping me from actually getting to that sending point, please get it out of my spirit. Get it out of my mind. Get it out of my heart. Get it out of my conversation. If I'm the young man that knows I've got a call, but I cannot get control over what I'm watching, I've got to get that right. I've got to get accountable. I've got to get that right. If I'm the young lady that, that, that is frustrated because of where I'm at with God, but I, I don't have anyone that wants to date or I can't get in a serious relationship, help me to address whether or not my relationship with you is right. Am I sendable? Am I able to be sent in this moment? Stand with me. Are we okay? Take a moment. Stand with me. I want, everybody to, I want everybody to turn to your neighbor and I want you to look them in the eyes and I want you to ask them this question. Please don't make humor out of it, but be serious. Introverts, I know this is a nightmare moment. I'm sorry. Turn to your neighbor and ask them this question. Are you sendable? Are you sendable? Turn to your other neighbor and, and, and ask them, could you even be sent? Brother Duncan, this is where I think we wrestle. Because we think of ministry, if we're not careful, we think of ministry in terms of pulpits, not Bible studies. 
I think the only reason I told Brother Duncan this early, I think the only reason I've got to travel and, and, and get to do some of the stuff I do, I'm not validated by it. I love being home more than I love anything. Some of you that are called to be missionaries and you're called to do other stuff, you're going to need to love travel. But we can never get more enamored with titles, with positions, with roles than we are with God. Can you, can you imagine this with me, young adult? God thinks not only highly enough of you, but highly enough of the role or the people or the position that he would specifically be working on you to do something for the kingdom of God. That's pretty amazing that he's that personal. He thinks that highly of you, that he would send you to people. So much so that he actually did this purchasing thing with his own blood. We're going to have an altar call again here in just a little bit. We're going to have powerful preaching. I know we got a breakup coming. But here's the question that I feel. I felt it last night. I've shared it with you already, and I want to share it with you before this is done. Thanks for letting me have a conversation with you. My conversation end would be in the form of a question, and it's the same one the Lord asked me last night, and I felt like he told me to ask you, how many more altars do you need? I'm not talking about your daily consecration. I cleaned that up. But how many more altar calls do you need to cry back through something you already know? If there's anybody in the room that's ready to actually accept and do the work necessary, I want you to lift your hands with me in this room and just ask God to solidify some things in this moment. I'll say yes. Oh, man, I feel a yes in the room right now. I wish somebody would lift your hands and just say, okay, my answer is yes. I'm going to say yes. For some of you, it's still, a, it's still a campus role. For some of you, it is. God's been calling you to plant a church, and you've been so scared, so worried. What's going to happen to your career? you got to say yes. Oh, man, I feel a yes moving through this room. It's a... Come on, I think that's a good thing. Let's war for a minute right now. Let's let that yes become thunderous in this room. I don't need another altar. I don't need another convicting message. I don't, I, don't need, I don't need one more conference. I'm giving you my yes. I'm giving you my maybe. But I'm giving you my yes 